0: in our Alliance live podcast. My name is Tommy Whitelaw, I'm the project lead at Care of Voices and it's great to be joined today by Claire Manley who's a community mental health nurse and Craig Davidson who's a newly qualified adult nurse. Uh, Welcome to the both of you today.
1: Hi, thank you very much for having
0: us. Yeah, thank you for having us Tommy. Firstly, can I just ask you during these different and difficult times, just personally, how are you both doing at the moment? Uh,
1: Um, It's, yeah, it's really challenging time, both personally and professionally, I think. So um, both Craig and I started during um, the pandemic. Uh, I, because I'm a community mental health nurse, work from home a lot, and that has very um, particular challenges around support. And I also have four children, um, two with additional needs. So that adds to the challenge. But I'm okay. I'm doing all right.
2: Yeah, I'm doing okay. I guess, at the start. I was still at university doing my honours year so I felt a bit guilty really because I wasn't out there working and helping so I'm now six weeks in so yeah I suppose I don't really know any different than starting as a newly qualified nurse in a pandemic it certainly brought a lot of challenges but physically I'm I'm doing well mentally not quite so sure
0: (laughs) and that's actually leads in nicely to some of the discussions we're going to be having today about being a newly qualified nurse uh, during this time uh, the work you're going to do to support the next generation of newly qualified nurses uh, as, as they as they come along. So, can you tell us a wee bit about your own personal? You you highlighted it a little bit yourself there, Claire, on this transition and balancing with caring duties, having a family of your own there.
1: Yeah, it's it's quite um, a challenge. I think you you don't get that separation um, between home and work which if you go out to work, obviously you you get. And I think, um, so as I said earlier, two of my children have additional needs. Um, they're all trying to do schoolwork from home, um, particularly my son who has a diagnosis of ASD, struggles with that and needs quite a lot of support to learn, which is quite a challenge when you're also trying to work. It, um, confidentiality is quite difficult. Um, so all of those things mean you have to, put quite a lot of thought in i do go in um and run clinics and duty and what i find is that's much easier and i'm much less tired on those days actually working from home even though you'd think you haven't got the commute and that that kind of thing i'm exhausted by the end of the day um so so yeah balancing is really hard but like craig i haven't worked in i started i'm five weeks ahead of craig i don't know any different um So you kind of make do, amend and work around it. Okay, so we've got lots of questions actually for you today. Can you tell us a wee
0: bit, you know, we are, as a project and as someone who speaks in universities and hospitals and care homes often, and absolutely the the need for this great academia that we need in nursing now. But how, how do we balance between academia, professional requirements and the personal approaches? What, what have you learned uh, in, 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 as newly qualified? Um,
2: I think when you're at university, you very much learn all the, th- all the theory, which is so important and we've fought long and hard and it's right that nursing is a degree educated qualification because nurses are such autonomous professionals and nursing is constantly evolving and developing and we need to relate back to that up-to-date evidence base so that is absolutely essential but what um, my university course does and that's when I first saw you Tommy you came to speak at Glasgow Caledonian University when I was in my second year I was very moved by hearing you talk about your mum but what our course does is it's got um, lots of values based modules that relate in through um, the other evidence base and I think that's really important to try and bring bring that and remember that not only the individual person but their family are at the centre of everything that we do. As student nurses um, we use the term supernumerary status, it doesn't always happen in practice but when you have that supernumerary status that can allow you time as a student to get to know patients better, get to know their families better and get to know their stories. So for me as a newly qualified nurse, starting during this time, particularly because families aren't able to come up to the wards, because I'm working in an acute setting, whereas Claire's in the community. It's very difficult and isolating for patients. So it is remembering, even though I'm trying to consolidate all my learning as a newly qualified nursing, time management is not always my friend. It is trying to find the time to really get to know and connect with patients and that has been something that patients have have commented on even though I'm very early on in my journey that they feel like I've been nursing for years because I've got got a warm personality and really seem to care about them so that is something I very much want to continue on throughout my nursing career and something that I know Claire Yeah
1: and I think some of that credit has to go to the higher education institution so in our so I was at Sheffield Hallam and the mental health um, training that we had was you know we had a lot of service users that came in and talked to us about their lived experience we had family members Um, and that's because a lot of lecturers now continue in some form of practice not all of them but a lot of them do so they might be doing research alongside a bit of practice and some teaching and so they know that value of hearing lived experience, there's nothing, you know, nothing else like that. And I think that's that's really important to remember that you know we're walking alongside people in their journeys. We're not we're not we're not telling them what to do, and that that is so vital. Um, and we also did um, a lot of interprofessional education, which again teaches you to work alongside you know OTs and physios and other allied health professionals to give that holistic package of care which i think is is so vital and what's been hard in the pandemic is we don't have all those connections so it's much harder to speak to somebody over the phone and hear their story for me because so obviously craig still gets face-to-face time with patients and that's starting to come back as lockdowns lifted for us but particularly families and carers hearing their story it's really difficult to do that um, in lockdown and in that situation Um, because you wouldn't necessarily want to talk to someone's carers the majority of the time without them present. And so that one-to-one conversation is really, you know, either doesn't happen or is a real challenge that has been, that's been really difficult.
2: Yeah, and just picking up on what Claire's saying, I think the way that we're taught now, the way care is delivered is so different it's all about co-production and how you work with the individual and work with their families we no longer provide a medical model and a nursing model that is teaching down and instructive it is all about working with which i think it is so important um but yeah it is difficult with families not being able to be on on the wards too because you get to see they can quite often establish what someone's baseline might be so they can tell us if someone isn't back to their normal and it's difficult not having that so it's how we circumnavigate these challenges my trust is using ipads and we have the family can um, interact with their family member over an ipad then we can phone them up and have a conversation and and see how they think that they are doing because we don't want to be discharging people that aren't fit to be going home so it's about i guess again, if we're looking for a glimmer of hope from this pandemic it has forced us to utilize technology in a way that has brought on the health service further than it has been before
1: yeah i think we've we've seen the nhs go through some rapid changes that maybe if we tried to implement outside of a pandemic would have taken a really long time um so yeah there, there are we have to look for positives because otherwise we'll all go under
0: <laughs> it's something working. the NHS has been very good at is adapting really, qu- Absolutely. Uh, really quickly in fact just to digress a little bit I was just reading a story last week about uh, from your trust Craig uh from uh, from uh, the Glasgow and Clyde actually about a lady who was very very poorly and uh, and uh, the staff phoned her daughter every day to find out what mattered to her. Uh, because She was in an induced coma, I believe, but yeah. every morning one of the nurses phoned and checked in with the family member just to make sure they knew the things that mattered. So, I'm really... really... So
1: important, so important. And, you know, I mean, my trust, Pen On Care, they're, you know, they're doing lots of different things. We've got... Because the other thing is, we've got to remember that the staff are under huge pressure in terms of wearing PPE. We have a lot of BAME colleagues who, you know, are even more anxious. A lot of people are anxious for their health anyway. Our BAME colleagues, you know, are, are even more anxious. And, you know, my trust certainly are going out of their way to provide psychological support and um, kind of, you know, someone to talk to and, you know, not putting that massive pressure on staff, which is really important so that they can't pour from an empty cup, eh? So, you know, we have to look after each other.
2: And it's so interesting picking up what you said, Claire, that PPE, Like, that was something I was actually asked at my interview, because my interview for my position took place over the phone. It wasn't a face-to-face interview, because I was interviewing during the pandemic. And one of the questions was, how would you continue to keep that therapeutic relationship with patients going whilst wearing all this PPE? And you give your textbook standard interview answer. But then it is very different, actually, living it and being there. So having, I spend my entire day wearing a mask um, in my face-to-face contact and it's not until you think you get really hot (laughs) it's hot and a lot of steamed up glasses
1: (laughs) yeah we're both glasses wearers it's a
2: nightmare so you end up I find particularly patients who have cognitive cognitive difficulties or who um, have hearing impairments it is so challenging for them to understand and the temptation for me is just to pull down the mask so they they can see my mouth and lip read but obviously you cannot do that and um, so it's you just have to be so clear and so articulate and it's trying to just smile and get across your positive and um, positive energy through body language and, and your through eyes. Your, eyes, your, eyes. your eyes are literally all you've got to communicate with so it's just these challenges I mean starting as a newly qualified nurse has its challenges at the best of times but um this is particularly unusual. I've found, especially because I'm the only newly qualified nurse starting at my time, because I stayed on Me to too. do that extra honours year, the um, the rest of my cohort start, all started in September. So they're nine months in. And normal preceptorship programmes and inductions, which would happen face-to-face, none of that's happening. So m- my team are incredibly supportive. But you still it's kind of baptism of fire and learn really quickly as you go. Well,
0: actually, I was, to, I was just going to touch on it a little bit. How important is that support as a newly qualified? And, and when you've been out in placement before.
1: Vital. Uh, where, how... Vital. You can't, you can't, there is no, you know, no I in team is, but there is no individual as a nurse. You know, it is teamwork, support, um you can't underestimate, and, and that's not just the other staff, that is the families and the patients. Like Craig said, we, we, you know, we're all in it together with co-production. It's, it's really important and, you know, particularly in mental health services, but across all services, we have to remember that staff and patients and carers are anxious, that the unknown is not good for humans. You know, we like to have a clear plan, we like to have that understanding and you know we're seeing people because something with their health is not at its prime and whether that's their mental health or their physical health and so the support from colleagues the support from our trusts which i touched on you know we've got helplines now and we've got support has been really important and the support from the public's been really important to know that what we're doing is valued yeah and we we can't underestimate that people know um it's been really tough, you know, even simple things like my local town's running a, a competition for who had the best furlough garden. Cause they've all spent their time, you know, <laughs> not me, <laughs> <laughs> I'm juggling four kids and schoolwork and nursing in the community that ain't happening. Um, so I think, yeah, we can't underestimate, but my colleagues have been unbelievable, um, because I'm on my own a lot of the time. And so knowing that I can pick the phone up or send a WhatsApp message, um, they're like my biggest
2: cheerleaders and that's been yeah incredible. And in a, so I work at the Queen Elizabeth University Hostel across all of NHS Greater Glasgow and Clydes, they've got um, relax and recuperation rooms. Not quite had the chance to go and visit one yet, but um, they, they exist and they're doing a lot to su- support staff wellbeing. And there's been a lot of businesses and a lot of individual people who have been donating stuff to nurses. It's been an overwhelming outpour really of we always know the public have got nurses backs but it's, in, it's been incredible during this but it's interesting you're talking about support structures for students and newly qualified nurses so Claire and I met through the Royal College of Nursing and um, I used to be the I was the a Scottish representative one of the two Scottish representatives for two years on that committee and became the chair in my second year and during my second year Claire joined as the student member of the trade union committee who serves as an ex officio member of the students committee so we met through that and the rcn um provides great support for students the the voice is very loud within the college the work the committee and do is fantastic listening to their student ambassadors who filter down to students on the ground level and all the way back up Um, and particularly the work our good friend Jessica Sainsbury, who is the chair at the moment. The work that they have done for students during the COVID-19 pandemic has been phenomenal.
1: Unbelievable.
2: But what Claire and I found when we both sat in the committee and the anecdotal evidence we got from newly qualified nurses who were a bit further ahead of us, was that there wasn't great levels of support for newly qualified nurses and while the voice of students was very loud within the college the same wasn't really said for newly qualified nurses they didn't really feel like they had a place Um, and their voice was drowned they were no longer students and then their voice was drowned out by louder members of the college.
1: Because there's so many pathways in nursing you know, as your career progresses, you specialize, whether that's in a particular area or research or academia, and, and the RCM fulfills, you know, support for all of those areas and that voice is there. Neither qualified nurses haven't necessarily chosen their path. And so they don't, necess- they don't fit into that structure Um, and so we heard from our you know for people who who qualified before us like Craig said and I think the interesting thing is a lot of the information's there it's just not collated and given in the right way and the actual support and voice isn't there and that's what we're really trying to work together to offer Um, so we've launched a Twitter site um, through the RCN we had a thousand members within two days We've now got 15 curators representing all fields of nursing, all backgrounds, different ages, different ethnicities. Um, we've got all genders. Everything is is kind of covered in there. And the energy and passion of those 15 people who are either just finishing their course, so on placement um, during COVID in, in those paid roles, or have qualified within, in fact, everybody I think is within the last 12 months. Yeah. Um, their energy, their passion, they're willing to give at this time to other people is inspiring and i've taken a, a lot of credit for that and craig and i are really passionate about taking that forward so yeah we have that twitter account and then craig you tell us tell them about the other project that we're in
2: oh what what about our podcast yeah <laughs> okay so uh, claire and i it's an it's a non-affiliated podcast so um though um we met through the rcn we wanted to be able to have a platform where we could have a podcast that wasn't attached to any, so it doesn't represent our organization's views, um, or the RCN, so it allows us to be, shall we say, a little freer. Uh, so, And what we want to do there is have other newly qualified nurses come on. Um, and tell us about their journeys through their voices. Because like you say, we want to hear lived experiences and we want to hear their stories. So that's what we want to share. But then coupled with that, what we also want to be able to do is have experts from different fields of health and social care come on. Maybe you can come on and be a guest, I was say the oh, same. I'd,
0: I'd be very happy to. <laughs>
2: so um, and we want to, so we want to couple it with that and have people come on and really be able to sh- share their stories and give newly qualified nurses that um, just that lived experience that can help shape their practice and also it's quite fun to listen to a podcast so that's called um, Retaining the Passion and um, we're on Twitter at PodRTP but just jumping back onto a bit of what Claire was saying there about the RCN newly qualified nurses I think what a lot of um newly qualified registrants find is you go from universities where you've got a lot of support structures in place and you're traveling through with a cohort of students who are very well known to you and that support it's like a family that's built around you and then what happens is for example like myself and my my Claire apparently I own you now (laughs) myself and Claire we've started by ourselves at this time and we don't have this family of co- a cohort around us. So what we're trying to create through RCN newly qualified nurses is to have that, that family and cohort feeling so that there's always someone you can turn to and we can signpost and direct to what the college can offer. Ideally we're trying to collate information because the RCN is going through some um, governance changes at the moment and we're hoping to pitch for it to become a forum so that the newly qualified nurses would have a forum and a voice within the college because then that allows them to shape pieces of work and to get funding for research to put on events and then they could have voting members at RCN annual congress which really allows the voices uh, of newly qualified nurses to shape the work that will be done because essentially we are the future of the nursing profession.
1: And through that the voice of patients, carers, multidisciplinary teams which you know we we take with us I think um we all carry our own lived experience you know I have like I said I'm a mother of four I have my experience of my own health I was diagnosed with epilepsy you know 25 years ago and you know so I can I can share my experience I can share my experience of being a mother of a child you know with autism and um that's very real to me and that you know I understand then maybe some of the struggles that people go through but that's one voice and one experience my experience doesn't necessarily reflect you know every parent or every carer and so by coming together you know and I'm a mental health nurse Craig's an adult nurse we have learning disability nurses children and young people's nurses in cities in the country by having those conversations about our lived experiences nurses and our patients lived experiences we just broaden our understanding and i think that will make us better nurses Mm. it will strengthen and unify us there's no secret that there are you know nurses have it historically maybe segregated themselves into specific groups and i think there is a real drive for a culture change to have one voice albeit made up of you know, thousands and thousands of different voices and dif- different lived experiences, but to unite together. And I think, you know, starting like Craig says with the future it, it, it is a place to start.
0: Yeah. I know, I know, our own Chief Nursing Officer in Scotland is very keen on this one family, of of nursing of bringing people together as well. How do people? It's already very popular, and I follow both of yous. On social media and have been inspired for quite a few years by the both of you. What's the best way for people to get involved, uh, to take participate or, or join in this, uh, in such a movement you're creating?
1: I mean, ideally become a member of the RCN so that you've got a really strong voice within the RCN in terms of that. But I think, you know, we're also open to the fact that not everybody is or wants to be. So follow us on Twitter. And then we are running a series of tweet chats. Um, So engage with them. The more people that engage, the more voices we have, the more answers to the questions, you know, that that we can take forwards. Um, And we've got blogs coming up on our website. Um, You know, they could write guest blogs if they want to. And then through the podcast, come and tell us your lived experience. You know, we want to know, yeah. We want to know from a huge number of people, whether that's different fields of nursing, whether that's their experiences of BAME nurses or of, you know, trans nurses, how they've, uh, you know, circumnavigated those challenges. I think the more people we can get from a variety of backgrounds, you know, we have there are nurses who have gone through addiction, who have suffered, you know, mental health. They've, been, they've had cancer and, and survived it. All of those things, what led people to nursing in that journey, makes us human. And we're hoping that our podcast then, will not only attract nurses and other health professionals, but the public. So the public understands that we are, like I said, and I, I, I know it's one of my favorite phrases and I repeat it all the time, but we are there to walk alongside them yeah. um, in, in that journey.
2: And I think, so just picking up from Claire, uh, so the Twitter for newly qualified nurses is at rcnnqn and the website www.rcnnqn.com and our podcast if you want to follow that is at pod rtp but just what you were saying about lived experiences it's so true and Tommy like you had I have hugely close relationship with my family and my lived experience of going into nursing and the reason I went to I quite openly on my platforms have discussed, I had real problems with mental health. In 2015, ended up being an inpatient in a mental health setting. And I remember the people, nurses that were there for me and really listened and took the time and heard my story and held my hand through what was the worst experience of my life. But equally, I remember the ones that didn't. And I remember how difficult it was for my mum who is my best friend and supporter through this life. I remember how difficult it was for her. And that's why going forward in practice, I know how important it is to include families and make sure they're important. And I just can't impress that enough upon anyone else. I think it's so important. And I think that's what we hope to get with having people get involved in um, RCN newly qualified nurses and also through our podcast. I think hearing nothing beats the power of words. And I think if the if the rest of the profession and the public can hear people's stories and hear people's words, then that's how we really create change and create a shift and create a movement.
1: And the hope, I think you know um, we're doing a podcast shortly on um, on hope because we get it wrong. you know we, we humans get it wrong. we make mistakes, we're tired, you know particularly in this in this era of the pandemic. We can't necessarily hold people's hand. We, you know that doesn't always happen and so that fallibility is really important but also if you're a nurse and you've had a really bad day and you know you made a mistake you know instead of going down that spiral into despair maybe struggling with your own mental health what we hope will come of all of this is they could go onto twitter onto the rcnnqn Um, account and they could have that kind of support from peers that is so important to pick you up and move you forwards or they could listen to a podcast that inspires them to have hope that things will get better and that is immeasurable if we don't have hope you know hope for the pandemic to end hope that our nhs will be funded better hope that we will progress into professionals that walk alongside people in a positive engaging way to to help them get better then for me there's nothing else so hope you know i hope they get hope from our our projects
0: well i think just listening to both of you with the incredible passion you have for this and making really connecting it to people in relationships is is, is really inspiring uh, just uh, just a final thought what should I ask both of you individually to to, to let me know? What what would your final message be to any newly newly qualified nursing coming behind uh, coming behind you? What one key message would you like to send to them?
1: Um, for me, it's we're here. We're here. We want to welcome you. We want to you. We want you to join in with us. We're no no different to anybody else. Um, you know we've got through it with our challenges I'm 44 I'm no spring chicken Um, I've juggled it with family and all those kind of things and we are we're here so please please come and join us and you will make a difference to people
2: yeah and I mean how do you top that my only thing to say would be and it's what I remind myself is always remember why you came into nursing keep a checklist for your time management and that will be my continual my continual rhetoric for me so that I am not sat writing my nursing notes half hour after my shift's finished
0: well well, a great way to end because speaking about time management we've just about coming to the end of the podcast (laughs) so thank you for being an incredible voice for nursing but thank you for creating a platform to gather all these voices as well Uh, thank you both for all that you're doing and uh, all of us at the alliance wish you the greatest luck in the future thank you both very
1: much thank you for having us we we think what you do is brilliant and we really appreciate being on so thank you
2: yeah, you're hugely inspirational, um, Tommy, to I know so many of us, and we're delighted to be involved. So thank you. Thanks. The Alliance Live podcast on all major podcast streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Alliance Live also produces webinars, video interviews, and case studies. Watch these by visiting www.alliance-scotland.org.uk forward slash live. That's wwwalliance alliance-scotland.org.uk forward slash live To follow along regularly with Alliance Live content use the hashtag Alliance Live on Twitter